Hi, I'm Katrina Daniel, and welcome to Primetime Crime, a podcast for people who want to know what goes on behind the scenes of the most notorious trending crime stories and what's going on in the minds of those involved in those stories. What are the detectives, the judges, the defense attorneys, and the prosecutors thinking? You'll hear it all on Primetime Crime, the podcast. Hey, I'm Katrina Daniel, and we're back at Primetime Crime, and this episode's dedicated to Nexium. We're talking about the crazy master sex slave cult, whose founder, Keith Ranieri, was just sentenced to 120 years in prison. That's life, and also some of his afterlife. If a judge gives you that much time, he really didn't like what you did. And this New York federal judge has made that quite clear. Founded back in 1998, Nexium was supposedly a pyramid scam. The politically correct term is now MLM, or multi-level marketing, offering, quote, executive-level success programs, unquote. Supposedly teaching business people how to take control of their lives. All the while, the seriously devoted culties were giving control of their lives to Keith Raniere and his harem, including the C-level actress Alison Mack. Put it this way, Alison Mack is way more famous for her role in the sex cult than she ever was for any real work she did. Her cult job was recruiting attractive, wealthy women for the pleasure of Nexium founder Keith Raniere. The biggest fish Alison caught, the beautiful but vulnerable and confused young daughter of Hollywood actress and related to royalty Catherine Oxenberg, India Oxenberg, who was a member of the cult for seven years. mother, Dynasty star Catherine Oxenberg, says someone told her India was in the secret society and urged her to get out immediately. My greatest fear is the longer she stayed in, the more the, the group was coercing her and incriminating her and getting her to break more laws. In the new star's documentary, Seduced, Inside the Nexium Cult, Catherine recounts sending a message to India pleading for her to turn herself into investigators. The U.S. attorneys offering you a chance to come in immediately, and it is in your best interest to do so, or they will come after you. You need lawyers immediately. But India, who Catherine says was being brainwashed and didn't realize it, didn't leave. It wasn't until after Ranieri and Mac were both arrested when India, who was still living in Mac's Brooklyn home, says she discovered a flash drive with incriminating evidence against Ranieri and handed it over to investigators. I was really there up until the end. Yeah. You ended up cooperating oh, yes. with the officials. I very much. I cooperated with the prosecutors for nine months. But up until that point, I mean, I, these people were my friends. And these people were people that I trusted and that I admired. As you can imagine, with Keith Ranieri's imprisonment and all those years, 120 of them, he left a lot of cult members dangling behind. Some of them are going to want their pound of flesh. Famous personal injury attorney Stuart Grossman has gotten many pounds of flesh for his clients. Stuart is here with me now. Stuart, tell us what your plan of attack would be. And first, thanks a lot for joining us. Happy to help. And that's good to uh, have this conversation with you. Um, this uh, perpetrator, cult leader, 
demonic human being, whatever adjectives you want to describe him with, couldn't function alone. Uh, it would be impossible for him to have established this organization without building an internal network that was involved in both the acquisition of fresh victims uh, and in the processing, the torturing, uh, the sexual escapades, the branding, and everything else. It would just be impossible for him to have acted uh, by himself. So if you imagine this as a, uh, myself as a fisherman looking for bait, I would want to throw the widest possible cast net into the water and surround all of those people that were participants in this. And that's really the, the first step. And then you begin to sort out the fish, throw the ones back that don't apply, or maybe you got inadvertently, but you'll wind up with an enormous catch because that's just the way this thing had to function. Now, the first step would be to sue both uh, the individuals that you find through your investigation, as well as any and all corporations or entities uh, that were part of this structure. And you would, uh, after suing them, uh, take discovery and realize, I think in fairly short order, just how significant and wide uh, this band of people was. Um, and you'd want to build an organizational chart with uh, Ranieri at the top, and then uh, literally as if he were the CEO, and then it would go uh, down and spanned out, it would drop vertically and then go horizontally and then down again and to the side until you had a really a tremendous uh, uh, understanding of the cast of characters. And I would leave no one unsued. I would sue each and every individual for several reasons. Uh, strategically, once they've been sued, they're much less likely to protect uh, their organizational head. They'll want to talk freely and openly and maybe even uh, package themselves as victims, which will help you when they begin to tell you how it was they were uh, seduced, brought into this, tortured, mistreated, afraid to leave. And then that certainly gives you a blueprint for how they, took, how they hurt the plaintiffs, your clients in this case, because they'll be describing their own uh, involvement and, and what had occurred with them. So I think that that's the first steps that you would take would be to build your organization wall and then start taking discovery uh, from everyone that, that you've identified as being a part of this. So the deep pockets in this case would be the Bronfman family. Um, the sisters, Claire, who is going to prison herself, and her sister, Sarah. Now, Claire Bronfman, I think I read that she put in $150 million to try to keep this guy propped up. Would she be your primary target? Well, just based upon her assets, uh, the answer is for sure. But I don't mean to exclude uh, anyone from this. Uh, any, any potential defendant, uh, anyone that, that participated in this, view them all as pockets, and then we'll see which ones are deep or not. I mean, this could spread to property owners where this activity was taking place. If you just imagine, um, lessors, 
of property, uh, perhaps even a municipality. Uh, who knows uh, what what was known to surrounding people. And then they in turn, I bet, had vendors. I bet you that there were lots of people who were selling them stuff, uh, food, branding irons, <laughs> Novocaine, God only knows what uh, they were taking, but uh, you know, you could probably develop uh, an entire criminal enterprise was taking place not just within uh, this guy's uh, immediate organization, but it probably had wings. I mean, seriously, how, how do you spend $150 million? Uh, she had to be acquiring things other than human beings. So it, it, you've got to be imaginative and think about it and study it and be patient. Would you take this case? Hell yeah. How could you get money from a Claire Bronfman who's in prison for, for the next six years? Well, if you showed me uh, her responsibility, I think the, the causation and the damages to, a, to an individual, many individuals, would flow very naturally. So once I understood what she did and her participation uh, and established that she was acting bizarrely, uh, much less negligently, uh, you know, you, you just can't do that and harm harm individuals. Even though she was behind bars, you could still have the, the ability to go after her? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, could she um, hide her money and send it all, give it all to her sister? And then would you go after that sister? Well, asset protection is, would be another chapter. Okay. Uh, first, you've got to, work on the case, get the judgment that entitles you to the assets. And then you would look into, well, where are they swirled away? Uh, who did the work uh, and whatnot. But you'd, you'd certainly put her on notice immediately uh, not to waste any assets, not to hide any assets, not to do anything like that. I saw that uh, Edgar Bronfman, uh, yeah who is uh, you know, a legendary guy. Uh, I've spent a lot of time for decades in Sun Valley, Idaho, and he was the major power behind our cultural center there in a beautiful amphitheater. He's a very lovely man. I was uh, disappointed to see his quote in which he labeled this a cult. Why? I would think not, it would make you happier and help you. Not that he didn't feel it was a cult, but just that he was aware of the existence of this, um, which does not make him responsible. Mm -hmm. But certainly you'd want to explore what did you know? Uh, and when did you know it? And, uh, you know, like I said, no one gets a free pass in a, in a mass tort like this where so many people were injured. How long would you expect such a case to drag on, to go on? Well, <clears throat> you've got two things going on. One is, what would the venue be? In other words, would this be in New York? Probably. State, state or federal court? Uh, cases there tend to take longer than they do, for example, in South Florida. But secondly, right now, we're all functioning under COVID restrictions. And for example, our federal courts in Miami 
uh, are not having any jury trials until next April. Uh, and civil cases won't get the priority that criminal cases were, will even when the courthouse opens because uh, of speedy trial rules and other constitutional protections to, uh, to criminals. Okay. Or alleged. Oh. <laughs> Anything else that you think would be really interesting for listeners to know about how one would attack those who propped up this cult and yeah, left I, behind I all these people say, without lives or time? I would say from, from the lawyer's point of view, uh, you got to have a, an imagination and appropriate, be appropriately financed because each one of these clients has a story and you've got to have people assigned to get their full story. Uh, you don't want to just start saying, well, uh, that person's like a private in the army or let's just get them in and, you know, process them quickly. You don't want to do that. Each client has a story, a uh, painfully agonizing story, and they deserve to be heard and, and to be helped. So that's, you, you got to make certain that that lawyer will devote the time and energy that's going to be expensive. And you're going to need a staff of investigators who will work not one at a time, but as I tried to describe this organization, they'll spread out and then go down. Uh, but they need, they need to, uh, you need to have somebody that has the muscle to, to do that. Um, and then finally, and this is, uh, can be difficult. You've got to be sensitive to your client. Um, it isn't just that they were hurt uh, and they want to be compensated. You have to make sure they understand that that comes with a price of giving up your anonymity, of being part of this process, of being put under oath and testifying. Uh, and you want to be sure that going through this does not cause them further damage, whether it's something just to their reputation or marriage or, or profession, uh, but will it cause them additional psychological or physical trauma as well uh, by, by going through something like this. So that lawyer has to be uh, sensitive. Uh, so you don't want to get a, uh, a young guy who's really hungry and just, you know, wants to use, use the people like firewood. You know, I'll take this log and toss it in and that log and toss it. No, 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 no. Has to be done especially. Very nicely put. Something I obviously never gave a bit of thought to. Sorry. That was really interesting. Thank you so much for taking part in this with us. Sure. Well, these are, these are the thoughts that come when you recognize that while the public might think that being a plaintiff uh, is easy, and, and it's not just about a pound of flesh. They have to give up more flesh to gain something back. And I'm always very sensitive to that uh, in, my, in my handling matters. And, and I, they deserve that. So anyway... I enjoyed this and call anytime. The legendary Stuart Grossman, always sensitive, always smart, and thank you so very much for taking part in this. Happy to help. It's a fascinating case. 
I'm Katrina Daniel. Thank you for listening to Primetime Crime, the podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Primetime Crime, Instagram, Primetime Crime 7, and Twitter, Primetime Crime 3. Post your comments and tell us what true crime stories you'd like to hear about. Subscribe to Primetime Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts.